Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks, and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hey everyone, thanks for joining today. I thought I'd do a quick update on my Diabetes Sucks episode. I got a lot of outreach from listeners to this podcast and I really appreciate it. I got a lot of people that were concerned about me and I wanted to give you an update and let you know what's going on. So that was about a month ago that I recorded that episode, maybe a little bit over a month ago. And just as a refresher, I have been dealing with extreme insulin resistance, weight gain, and it just seems that my type 1 diabetes is foreign to me. I don't quite understand how to manage it as I used to. And it seems that all the rules have changed and my insulin needs have gone way, way, way up. They were hovering around 50 units per day and I used to take around 20 units per day just as a, you know, as a, as a baseline so you could understand what I was sort of dealing with. And I was having trouble fasting due to the fact that I had such insulin resistance and a lot of times the insulin resistance would go away suddenly and I'd have insulin sensitivity again, which then caused a lot of low blood sugars. It was extremely frustrating. And uh, at that point, I kind of had thrown up my hands. I was just really not in a good place. And being who I am, I'm sort of persistent when I have a problem. So I went to my endocrinologist and she told me that, you know, I told her all the symptoms that I was having And, you know, we were looking at sort of my cycle and I definitely am probably entering perimenopause, which I think is the culprit for a lot of these things, a lot of this insulin resistance. I knew that going through perimenopause and hormonal changes would give me trouble uh, with my diabetes. I've heard it from a thousand other people, but I guess I didn't quite understand just how bad it could be. Anyway, um, as I'm experiencing right now, it's 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 pretty bad. It's, uh, it's very frustrating. It also can go on for a very long time. So it's something that I'm gonna have to get used to and just sort of go with the flow. My endocrinologist, you know, she told me that she has a lot of other female patients in this age range, and they also experience the same kind of thing where they have a lot of insulin resistance. They have very bad blood sugars when they used to be in very tight control. She said that it's, pretty par for the course, unfortunately. So I, what I did was I, I asked my gynecologist for a prescription for a birth control pill because I noticed that in my cycle, any, normally I, I go around 22 days um, between cycles and any day beyond 22 days would result in really bad insulin resistance for me. So I had been tracking my periods and noticing that they were getting longer. And, you know, sometimes they would go out for 30 plus days between cycles, which is unusual for me. And I know every woman is different. Some women have irregular cycles just to begin with. 
but mine is usually pretty regular. So the fact that I had such variability within my cycles um, led me to kind of feel like that could be one of the culprits for the issues that I've been facing. So I thought that by getting on a pill, it could help regulate my hormones. So I talked to my gynecologist and I had actually talked to her oh, probably about a year prior to getting on the pill because I had been experiencing something sort of similar at that point. But it was only, it only happened for one month. Like it was, you know, my normal 22 day cycle. And then one month it was like 36 days or something like that. And just so happened to correspond with the time that I went to go visit her. And she said, well, I can put you on a pill if, if you would like to have your cycles more normalized. And I said, yeah, that sounds good. But then I decided at the time, you know, no, I'll wait on that because then my cycles went back to 22 days. It was just that one time that it was the longer cycle. So uh, I, I actually had already had this discussion with her. So I got in touch with her and I told her I'd like to be on a pill to normalize my cycles. So she put me on a pill called Slind, S-L-Y-N-D. And it's supposed to be pretty low hormone. It's not supposed to give you very many side effects, uh, unlike a lot of other pills. So uh, we try, you know, that's the pill I'm on right now. And my endocrinologist, I told her about the Slind and she said that, you know, you sometimes you have to do a lot of trial and error when it comes to birth control pills, because it just, it's, it's uh, something that not all bodies react the same way to every single pill. So she said, if you don't have good luck with this one, or if it's giving you a lot of side effects, then go back and try a different one. She, she just said it's, it's not unusual for people to have bad reactions to different pills. So I got on Slind. I've been on Slind for a little over a month. Uh, in the beginning, in the very first like couple weeks, and I know this is one of the side effects of Slind, uh, I had uh, some acne come up, which I usually don't have. And I also had a lot of breakthrough bleeding for a couple weeks. That all has seemed to resolved, be resolved at this point. So I don't have any more breakthrough bleeding. In fact, I'm on my second pack of pills for Slin, my second month, after taking the um, the sugar pills or whatever the the green pills that are not that don't have any active active medicine in them. And I totally skipped my period. So I don't know if that's going to be a situation that continues to happen or if it was just a one off thing, uh, but. The one really good thing is I haven't noticed a lot of variability within my insulin resistance surrounding my hormones. So that actually is a really good takeaway. If you do notice that you're hormonal, if you're a woman, whether you're going through perimenopause or not, and you have a lot of variability around your cycle in terms of insulin sensitivity, if you get insulin resistance, I knew that I used to get those types of uh, outcomes when I was not taking a pill. And I kind of wish that I had been taking a pill a while ago because maybe that could have calmed some of this down. But anyway, I'm glad I found the pill now. I am taking it. It seems to have helped a lot around my cycle. Now, that said, I am still experiencing a lot of insulin resistance and had been when I went to go visit the endocrinologist. So we talked about a couple different options that I had and I brought up Ozempic. And that was because I had heard, you know, I talked to Ginger Vieira, who you can, you can hear, she was on a prior episode talking about Ozempic and just how it brought her insulin needs down. So I talked to my doctor about Ozempic 
and she was my endocrinologist is great if you have an endocrinologist that isn't really like on the cutting edge or the forefront of these types of situations of these new medications i would advise you to look for somebody else because it really makes all the difference when you have a healthcare provider that is willing to write those prescriptions for you and help you get out in front of issues that are bothering you so she had no problem prescribing Ozempic to me. In fact, she had said that she had been pres prescribing Ozempic to her patients for a long time. However, and now just to be clear, Ozempic is still off label for type one. So if you need Ozempic, you're, you may have trouble with your insurance. In fact, my endocrinologist told me that recently due to the shortages of Ozempic and other GLP-1s, that she has had a lot of trouble getting Ozempic cleared for her type one patients. So she had warned me in advance that this could be a problem for me. Uh, and especially since I'm not in an overweight category, if you're overweight and you're also type one, then you should have, you know, if you have decent insurance, have an easier time getting Ozempic or Wegovy, which is the, the one that's also Nova Nordisk that's approved for weight loss or Munjara, which is Eli Lilly which is currently approved for type two diabetes, but um, is soon to be approved, I think by the FDA for uh, weight loss as well. So if you, if you have a weight issue in addition to type one, you may have an easier time getting a prescription for one of these drugs. So in my case, I, I don't, I'm not overweight. Uh, so that was, uh, you know, that's, that was a hurdle that she thought I was gonna have to face. Anyway, she wrote me the prescription for Ozempic. I was fully expecting it to get denied. And fortunately, it did not get denied. In fact, it got approved right away and it was filled right away. So she gave me a sample pack, a starter dose, and I started taking it. And I started at the 0.25 starter dose. And I've been doing that for, I'm on week four right now. Now I gotta tell you, the 0.25 starter dose when I started out really felt like nothing. You know, I didn't feel any types of type of impact at all. I didn't really notice any changes to my insulin sensitivity. In fact, I wasn't really sure if it was working. So around week three, I decided to to increase my dose. I thought the 0.25 isn't really working. And in fact, my endocrinologist told me that she expected me at some point to need to increase my dose and would probably end up at 0.5 or 1. So the dosages for Ozempic go 0.25, and 1 in a certain dose. And then I think after 1, there's another, two, another dose for 2. I'm not entirely sure once you get beyond the 1, but there are different dosages. But in between each dose, there's a number of clicks. So it's almost like if you have type one diabetes and you use an insulin pen, it looks a lot like an insulin pen and you just kind of turn the dial until you get to the dose that you want, but you can actually stop it between 0.25 and 0.5, for example. So on the third week, I took 0.25 plus five clicks. So I thought, you know, I'll just go up slowly. I'm not gonna go from 0.25 to 0.5 right away. And as it turns out, that 0.25 plus, uh, point plus the extra five was too much. And it made me really, really sick. I had a lot of nausea, and this is TMI, but I had diarrhea. It was 
it was pretty bad. So, and that lasted for a good three or four days. And I was thinking to myself, I can't wait until this week is up so that this Ozempic is out of my system. It was really causing me a lot of trouble. And I knew that I had to go back to, down to 0.25 for my next dose. In fact, I was even considering taking a break from Ozempic because that week was so horrible. But uh, so for the fourth week, so that was the third week I did the 0.25 plus the five clicks. For the fourth week, I went back down to 0.25 and that's what I'm at right now. And I feel okay at the 0.25. I still have a little bit of residual side effects from the earlier week, you know, a little bit of remaining nausea slash diarrhea, but it's calmed down significantly since that original dose is out of my system. My plan is to stay at the 0.25, maybe for the next three, four weeks. I'll definitely keep it at this lower dose for a prolonged period of time. I think if you're titrating up, you have to be very, very slow and careful because it definitely has effects on your system. And it's not like metformin, which I used to take metformin and I had titrated up too quickly, I think. And, you know, metformin's a once daily pill. So you can, you can, if you make a mistake and you go too high and you feel disgusting, you can just stop the next day or go back down the next day. With Ozempic, you're dealing with those side effects for a week. And even though it might not be as intense the entire week, I would say you can plan on a good three to four days of whatever major side effect you are dealing with during that time. So anyway, long story short, I'm back down on the 0.25. I do notice that my insulin sensitivity has improved and I am taking, so like I said, I was during the period where I wasn't on the birth control and I was not on Ozempic, I was taking 40, 50 units of insulin per day. Now I take somewhere around 30 units of insulin per day and that's, that's still way above the 20 units that I had been taking previously before my hormones sort of went crazy. So it's not definitely not back to the baseline, but it's definitely improved. And it's something that I can kind of live with. I'm sort of getting the hang of it. I have gained since all this started five or six pounds, but I'm not sweating that as much anymore. I'm finding it easier to fast and I'm able to just sort of get my life back in order a little bit when it comes to blood sugars. However, I will say that if the control I have now is not nearly as good as it used to be. It's frustrating. I have a lot of post-meal highs that linger for a long time. It doesn't matter what I do. There's a lot of times where I have 10, 11 units of insulin on board, which is just something that is completely foreign to me. I never used to have that much going at one time. It used to scare me to take that much insulin, but it's not at all unusual for me to take seven, eight, nine, ten 10 units of insulin for a meal that has almost no carbs in it. So that's just a, that gives you an idea of just how insulin resistant I've become over time here. And I do feel like the Ozempic is helping. And I notice that as I, for whatever reason, the longer I'm on it, the more insulin sensitive I become. So I'm hoping to be able to continue on it for as long as I can. Now there are issues with Ozempic shortage and, and just getting doctors to write the prescription and just all kinds of issues around Ozempic. So I don't know how long this is going to last where I can stay on it, but for the time being, I'm going to try to 
try to stay on it for as long as possible. Uh, I guess I should talk about a couple other things related to Ozempic. I, you know, Ozempic, and what you hear a lot is that it suppresses your appetite and it does a lot of that. I've noticed some of that. Um, I guess I just kind of like get full faster. I don't think about food as much. But for me, on such a low dose, it hasn't had the impact of causing me to lose any weight, which is just fine. In fact, my doctor and I prefer that I don't lose weight on Ozempic because I really didn't have that much weight to lose. So that part is fine. Uh, I, I do notice that, uh, like I said, I get I get full faster and I don't think about food as much, which is good. So that's been that's been positive. Also, I have had some other health issues come up and I went to a rheumatologist and he did some energy testing on me where basically he put something in your hand and then he sees how your body reacts to it. And he essentially told me to stop eating gluten, soy and cheat or and dairy. So uh, the gluten was not really a problem. The soy and the dairy were a big problem because I, I ate a lot of that. So I've been changing my diet quite a bit and since I'm left with so few options at this point, I have introduced other things into my diet that have fat, like I'm eating more, um, like I eat like sunflower seed butter and things like that, just to have a little extra fat since I'm not and eating more avocados and things like that. Since I, I don't have the dairy outlet anymore, I used to eat a lot of cheese, a lot of yogurt, things like that. And now, unfortunately, those are taken out of the equation. And I do feel better not eating dairy. If, if you have a chance to go to a functional doctor or somebody like that, they can do that sort of testing on you to see what what things react well in your body and what, what doesn't. So, I mean, it's kind of a, once you know, you know, and you can't unknow it. So part of me kind of wishes that I didn't know because I was really enjoying eating a lot of dairy, but it's not good for me. I feel better not eating it. So that's, I guess I'm happy about that. Anyway, I just wanted to give you guys an update. Thank you so, so much for all the outpouring of support. It made me feel really good, made me feel really loved, and I know you guys care about me, and I appreciate all the tips that you guys have given me. They were all really, really helpful, and it's just it showed me how many people are dealing with something similar or they're dealing with burnout. We all go through it with diabetes. It's just it's one of those things that you just have to you just have to push through you can't let it get to you and the way i did it is the way my strategy is is to kind of call people that i think can help me like my endocrinologist like my gynecologist and just doing a lot of research and just being really forceful about the things that i want in terms of medications and and whatever else so that i can try to heal whatever's bothering me so Anyway, thank you again for listening. I really, really appreciate it. It's such a pleasure to do this podcast and to have found such a great community. So thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.